0: The first half of the MLB season and the All Star break are officially over. So it's time to give out some report cards from the first half of the MLB season from the Pittsburgh Pirates. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to that Pirates Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Ethan Smith, your host of the Locked On Pirates Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates, every single day. Brought to you, as always on Thursday, is Craig Toth of Inside the Bucks Basement. Had a wonderful time with the draft. He's had some really good pieces over there at Bucks Basement, so make sure you go check that stuff out. And I figured I slammed Paul Skeen's down your throats long enough uh, to where I don't have to talk about it anymore, at least for right now. Uh, We talked about Mitch Keller and David Bednar's first halves yesterday. Talked about what to expect from them for the rest of the year. Talked about, of course, July 11th and July 12th, eight years ago, with Andrew McCutcheon and Pedro, or not Pedro Alvarez, uh, Gregory Polanco's walk-offs back-to-back against the Cardinals before the All-Star break. But now, the All-Star break's behind us, Craig. The first half is behind us. And if you would have asked – and this is how I'll start this today before we get into any report cards. If you would have told a Pirates fan that they would be 41-49 and at the All-Star break, Craig, what would have been the sentiment at the beginning of the
1: season? I mean, I would have to say that you would be – pretty happy with that. Uh, looking at, you know, the past few years, it's definitely an improvement. I mean, we've talked about this before. It's just kind of the way that we got here and especially some of the last few games where, I mean, we probably should have taken at least a couple more of those. Uh, so that's a little bit frustrating. The, the 41 and 49 doesn't look terrible, uh, but Man, it would be nice, not if that was flip-flop, but if it was just a little bit closer to 500, yeah. I'd be feeling a little bit better. But, I mean, like you said, if you looked at this at the beginning of the season, didn't know exactly what was going to happen, didn't know exactly how we got here, you'd probably be thinking, eh, huh, you know, not
0: too bad. Yeah, and I think the division plays a part in that too because even everybody on our NL Central preview show Basically said it was the Cardinals and everybody else in Sully Baseball, to his credit, said, I don't know. Like, that was his whole sentiment throughout that entire preview. You can go back and watch it. He said, this division could be up for grabs. Bring up the young guys. And that's what the Reds have done. That's what the Pirates have done. Yeah, the 28-8 start was great. But... I'm still here to tell everybody that I think my prediction for the record at the beginning of the year is still pretty on brand. And, Craig, if I remind myself, I think me and you were pretty on the same page there at 74 and 88. So, I mean, if they do that, 74 and 88 doesn't sound great at all. It's gonna, it's not a good record at all. But as you said, look at the past couple years. They win 74 games this year. That's a 12-win improvement from last year. A 13-win improvement from the year before. That is notable. And looking at the first half, there's a ton of guys that you could look at that have made pretty good impacts on this team. There's guys that have come up and been spark plugs like Henry Davis and Nick Gonzalez to a degree, and even Jared Triolo. We'll get to them a little bit later. But if you had to name one person that you would say is the most valuable player on this team from the first half, which, I mean, to me, there are a couple options. Craig, who would be your MVP from the first half of the 2023 Pirates season?
1: I mean, if you want to go easy, I mean, it's it's obviously Mitch Keller. I mean, just how he's continued what he did from like about May on last year. So that's like the easy answer. I'm going to go a little bit – I would probably say Carlos Santana because our first base play um, over the past few years has just been so poor. Uh, So to be able to get him defensively in there – and then if you look at his numbers from last season and this season, yeah, he did have a rough stretch. And I think I was on my show and maybe even your show saying – Man, if we could just sit him down for a little bit, uh, get him a little bit of rest. Uh, but just his, you know, the walk off home run, the, the defense, consistent hitting, uh, the power wasn't there, you know, through the first, I probably say quarter of this season, but definitely has come on since then. Uh, and just the, you know, the veteran leadership within the clubhouse. I would probably put him as like maybe my dark horse MVP. I mean, it's, it's obviously Keller, uh, Mm -hmm. but, but Santana would be a, a pretty close second for me, maybe tied with Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, just because, I mean, he's having, you know, his best numbers since I believe, uh, other than power since like probably like 2019. So, I mean, that's kind of hard to see there. But that, that, that to me, kind of scares me a little bit, that if Mitch Keller is one of your MVPs and then you have Kutch and Santana, you would probably be hoping that maybe you'd have Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds in the conversation, and right now we don't. Yeah, and I mean, Key Brian Hayes had a pretty good June, uh, did some good things in June.
0: But the injury bug has caught up to him again. And I agree with you. I think Mitch Keller is the clear-cut answer, not only to the fact of how good he's been, but just with the injuries that the rotation has dealt with throughout this year, to have a guy like Mitch Keller be an all-star, to have a guy like that to be that consistent, pretty good. I mean, you need it when Vince Velasquez is out for the year, JT Brubaker out for the year, Mike Burrows, who me and you expected to be up here pretty quickly this year, if he wasn't injured, out for the year until sometime next year. Then you look at Rich Hill, who's been healthy, but any time now you can almost expect that he gets a blister or has to sit down for a week or two with his age. Mitch Keller has been the constant. I like the Carlos Santana thing too. I think it speaks a lot, one, not only to his bat, but two, to the defense that he's given them over there, helping a lot of these young guys and the kind of like circus that we've had in the middle infield with O'Neill Cruz being out. He leads all of MLB at first base defensive run saves. He's been a motor over there lately, and I think G-Man Choi being healthy now is going to help him a little bit. I think he will have that opportunity to sit once or twice a week and like how he's had to play like five or six games in a row. So I think that'll help him out a lot, too. And you brought up my answer, Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, you could just tell from the get-go when Kutch came back that he was going to help this team – either on the field or off the field, and somehow he's managed to do both because he's been one of the better guys on the team discipline-wise at the plate, getting on base. He's having very good offensive numbers. He's DHing, so he hasn't had to play the field that much, thanks to Henry Davis being very good in right field. And he just brings a certain energy to this team, and as we've said before, he's the guy among these veterans that separates himself from winning because he's won in Pittsburgh. He's the, oh, the lone guy in that clubhouse that could say, I've done it here. I can do it here again. Because I've said it before, I think this team is very close. And I would say it would probably be between Kutch, Keller, and Santana if you're going to vote on it. But I think Keller would get the overwhelming vote there, and I don't disagree with you at all. Um, it would be nice, though, as you said, to see, like, you know, Like, if O'Neill Cruz was healthy, I think he would obviously be up there, which we should be expecting his return in about a month, month and a half or so. And then you'd like to see Key Brian Hayes take that next step, or even Brian Reynolds, who's had kind of like a weird year outside of the strong start that he had. He's kind of having a backwards year that we're used to for Brian Reynolds. But I think those guys will come along, but we'll get to that later in the show as well. But before we get into our most improved players, which, I mean, could very well be the same answer as the MVP if you really want to. I want to tell you guys about the wonderful people over at Sleeper. Get up to a $100 match on your first deposit on mobile only at sleeper.com with the promo code Locked On because Sleeper is your one-stop shop to do all of your daily fantasy betting because, you know, take the Pirates if you want. Take Jack Sawitzki to hit a home run, win some money. You want to win up to 100 times your money on Daily Fantasy Baseball. Sleeper is now offering up to a 100 times payout for up to eight pick contests. Yes, that's right. You could pick up to eight different things to happen if you're feeling lucky. And if you win eight different ones, you might as well go play the Powerball too because Sleeper could be your jumpstart to becoming a millionaire if you really want to. And, you know, you can choose as many up to eight players as you like. You could do... Your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more, and get your picks right and you can win big. By the way, use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. With the way things are now, who doesn't like free money? Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's term of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. By the way, if you want to listen to the hometown broadcast of the Pittsburgh Pirates, make sure you download the SiriusXM app. It's called the XM app. See, it was so exciting that something had to fall in Craig's uh, audio there. Uh, So make sure you listen to that. Everydayers, thank you, as always, for tuning in. And most improved player, Craig. I think that's one that's a little uh, interesting to get to because, again, it could have a lot of candidates, but I think Mitch Keller could also be the winner of that award too. If you want to look at his entire 2022. Now, if you look at him at the end of 2022, he was giving us flashes of what Mitch Keller we've seen this year. He's just now doing it on a consistent level and being very good. So other if Mitch Keller is your answer, that's cool, too. But if you had to name somebody else that's your most improved, who would
1: it be? I mean, for me, it has to be Jack Sawinski. Uh yep. it's, it's it's not even close in my eyes. Just a guy who was working on, you know, a completely new stance, completely new approach. Uh, the Ks are always going to be a part of his game. But, I mean, just seeing the elite, you know, chase rates that he has, he's, he's not really, you know, going for stuff outside of the zone. And, of course, like people will say, you know, they'll point to, you know, the highlights of of him arguing a call that was obviously a strike, which is going to happen to, you know, anybody. But I think that he has kind of minimized his, uh, his streakiness. I know that he still has some of that inside of him. But if you look at last year, I mean, the streaks that he was on, I mean, they lasted for like two three almost a month at a time. Whereas now I feel like that he's kind of, you know, he'll have for that like, you know, one for 25 streak, which when people say, oh, he's one for 25, I mean, that's honestly like five, six games. That's like a week. So if he has a slump for like a week, I mean, that's definitely gonna happen. But just to see, you know, the power potential that's there, to be able to stop those streaks prior to, you know, having to be sent down like he was last year. I mean, he, he was struggling mightily. And I feel like his defense has improved to a degree where you can play him in right field, center field, and he doesn't look completely lost. Once again, people will point to, you know, when something gets lost in the sun and they'll show just the one video of him and, you know, Brian Reynolds kind of looking lost in the outfield. Like that's the exception. That's not the rule. I feel like he's played better defense than people give him credit for. And once again, like I know that, you know, people, I'm kind of old school myself, will look at the average for a Jack Swinski. I honestly haven't looked at Jack Swinski's average in the past, I don't know, month, month and a half. As long as that OPS and the war, you know, stays where it's at, I can't see how he wouldn't be you know, the most improved player. He has the highest war for a position player on this team. So, I mean, how is that not most improved? To me, it's like, it's kind of like a no-brainer.
0: Yeah. And I have to agree with you on that one as well. And I mean, you look at where he ranks in like OPS plus and OPS in the league, and he's up there with guys that were at the all-star game this year. Uh, Some people are even making the argument outside of Pittsburgh that he probably should have been in the home run Derby because of how good he's been with his bat. And that's just who he is. He's um, I mean, I almost want to call him like a new Gregory Polanco, but better. Like he has, he's basically the modern day power hitting baseball player. He has the three comp. What, what is it? The three common outcomes, you yeah. know, strikeout home run or walk. That's what he does. And yeah, you brought up the chase rate too. That was something that was a big problem for him last year. We're talking about one for 25 stretches this year. Last year before he got sent down to triple-A, don't forget he was like two for 48 at one point. That is a concern. If you're two for 48, that's a bigger concern than one for 25. Because I'll also be honest with you, with the way the offense has been this year, look at anybody on this team outside of like Henry Davis and like the new guys and – Most of them probably have a stretch where they were like one for 18 or one for 20 or one for 15. It happens to everybody happens to Mike Trout. It probably even happens to Shohei Otani. It happens to literally everybody. But yeah, I mean, they need a real power bat. They've needed one for a long time. That's something that we've talked about over the last couple of years is that they needed a guy to just be able to go up to the plate and think about the fact that he could hit a home run at any given moment. Even if the Pirates are down like 10-2, to he's like the king of garbage time. That's what I always like to call Jack Sawinski. But again, can't argue there at all about him being most improved, and I think he's kind of cemented himself as a future piece of this team. It was something that a lot of people have been asking about Jack Sawinski. Was he a future piece of this team? I don't see how you could say he's not. And then you look at the rookies, Craig. I mean, good lord. We've seen I thought 2022 was crazy. We've seen a lot, we've seen a lot this year. I mean, you got Osvaldo Beto, you have uh technically is Luis Ortiz still rookie eligible? I believe he is. I
1: think he would be, uh...
0: Um Jared Triolo, g Bay, I mean Nick Gonzalez, Henry Davis, technically Drew Maggi. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of different guys that we've seen for the Pirates this year, rookie wise. Picking the best one, I think, is the first question that I've asked you that doesn't have really that cookie cutter answer. Like you'd probably get three or four different answers, especially due to recency bias. But who is the best rookie that we've seen throughout the first half this year?
1: That's going to be the Rule Five pick, Hernandez in the in in relief. I mean, just what he was able to provide to the bullpen, you know, prior to, you know, going down with injury. Uh, it's kind of hard to see, you know, he was put in high leverage situations where, you know, a rule five pick wouldn't have experienced that whatsoever. Um, so to me it, with the other guys, it, <sighs> we'll have to see how the you know second half plays out. I mean, it could obviously end up being Nick Gonzalez, Henry Davis, Jared Triolo, Carmen Majinski, whoever it would be. They just haven't had enough of a sample size. But I mean, for a guy to go down and you're saying, you know, he's missed in the bullpen. To me, that's what makes this one an, an easy answer, just because. I mean, in previous years, you've hidden, you know, rule five picks in the bullpen. He was never really hidden. And I know part of that was probably not something that Ben Charrington was looking to do at the beginning. You were hoping, you know, and Garcia would be actually playing. And so you wouldn't have to put that much pressure. But for the most part, I mean, for the majority of this, this short season so far, this first half, I mean, he was the mainstay as the lefty in the bullpen and you never really like worried about it. So to me, like that's what shows that he would be like my best rookie to this point in the season. So I'm going to look this up while we're here, because I believe I looked it up the other day.
0: Do you actually know which rookie leaves the Pirates in Craig?
1: Um. I, I actually don't know. I, I, I'd have to I'd have to look into that. I
0: believe, if I can find it here, that's 2022. I don't want 2022. Um, but I saw somebody talk about it the other day, and I believe, shockingly, it was actually Osvaldo Beto. Osvaldo Beto was the leader among rookies in war for this team, and he's actually one of the guys that I would say – I know it's kind of weird to call a 27-year-old a rookie, <laughs> um, but – He's been a big part of this too with Hernandez, as you mentioned. He's been like had to be pushed into a role that he didn't expect to have. Um, and I feel like Osvaldo Beto has had to do the same thing with everything that we've seen from this rotation, with again Vince Velasquez going down, Rowanji Contreras having his struggles now getting sent down to triple A. And I'm not gonna say that Osvaldo Beto has been like lighting the world on fire. But he's had some good moments. I mean, he's had some good outings so far this year where he's really been good with his stuff. He's limited a lot of balls in play. He's limited the runs that he's giving up. He's also brought the walks down a tad, which I've really enjoyed as well. So I think Hernandez is a great pick as well. And I think you just have to pick pitchers for a lot of these things because pitching has been like the strength of this team, even throughout all of the injuries that they've dealt with. So I think that's what you really have to look at is when you're looking at guys like Osvaldo Beto, Jose Hernandez, even a Yuri De Los Santos, who we saw last year, and he's been making a little bit of inroads lately. There's a lot of different guys. But as you mentioned, too, I think by the time the season ends, and I I still think you're going to see maybe a Jared Jones or a Quinn Priest or any Rodriguez. You're going to see those guys before the year ends. I mean, we saw Derek Shelton say they were going to put an emphasis on young guys coming up here. Let's see if they actually do it. So I do think the answer at the end of the year will obviously be different, seeing as Henry Davis, Nick Gonzalez, Jared Triolo are all going to have expanded stats at that point. But it's fun, and that's what you want from this team is you want to have that argument of like, oh, who was our rookie of the year this year? You don't want it to just be, oh, we had one rookie that was good. It's fun to have a conversation when you have four or five different guys that are making an impact at this level. Before me and Craig get into the improvements and the consistency that we want to see from this team, as well as the expectations for the second half, make sure you check out Bird Dogs. I wear these things like twice a week. They're so fun. I wear them to work all the time. I work at a brewery. It gets hot. It's like 120 degrees every day. Bird Dogs keep me looking great, though, because they make you look good. Their design. designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look, even if you're not sculpted, they'll still make you look like it. Burdog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. And Birdogs uh, fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And Bird Dogs also uses anti-stink sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. It's hot everywhere, so you can't say anything about it being cold or hot or whatever. These things keep you cool all the time, and they make you look cool, too. Go to BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnMLB or enter promo code LockedOnMLB for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB or promo code locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler with every order of bird dogs. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. So, the one thing I think, and hold on, I don't have a tissue near me. There we go. The one thing that I think you could argue about this Pirates team after the first half can be summed up in one word, Craig inconsistent. We have seen this team at one point be 20 and 8. We have seen this team win seven to eight games in a row or eight out of 10. We've also seen this team lose 12 game, or 10 games in a row against nine NL Central teams. We've seen this team light the world on fire offensively. We've also seen this team not score more than four runs for three weeks at a time. Pitching started off wonderful. Injuries have depleted it a little bit. It still looked great. So what are the improvements that this team needs to make in the second half to, I don't know, even have a shooter's chance at the NL Central?
1: I mean, I think it's just going to have to be a general, like, improvement of approach at the plate. Um, I know that, you know, there's, there's a lot of statistics out there that it's become, you know, commonplace within Major League Baseball to have, you know starting pitchers from the other team like trying to get them to throw as many pitches as possible and to you know get them out of the game get to the bullpen um but you just can't be striking out as a team like 10 12 14 15 times a game uh so that's where like the improvement's just going to have to come with a, a general you know improved approach at the plate because even if you're getting a good start at this point in time from some of your pitchers you don't feel comfortable. I mean, we're going into games against the diamondbacks where we're shutting down like a pretty, a pretty good offense and losing an extra innings just because, you know, we're, we're not able to score runs. So, I mean, that's something that's I think going to have to come along. Uh, That's just a general thing right there. And I don't know how, you really improve that, (laughs) but I mean, just, I would say being more aggressive because I mean, you've got some aggressive hitters in, you know, a Rodolfo Castro who's been struggling, but also Henry Davis is a pretty aggressive hitter. Nick Gonzalez is a pretty aggressive hitter. Um, And just seeing those guys, you know, you want them. It's like a balance of patience and aggressiveness, but it just seems like that it's been, very, very, very patient at the plate to the point where, you know, you're getting down. That's I mean, if you get down like, you know, oh, two, what's the chances of you getting a hit? I mean, the chances go drastically down. So that's where I would I would see that. And it's going to be tough with pitching at this point in time, because I mean, you have you know, Mitch Keller's been like the one stronghold. Uh Beto has played well. I mean, you could have couldn't have asked for more than that. Rich Hill is going to have his good games and his bad games, Um, but I don't know how much longer you're going to have his services. You might not trade him just because I don't know where else the innings are going to come from. So that's where like, if you're going to get improvements, it's going to have to come from, from the offense. It's going to have to.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where I stand too. Um, The pitching has been phenomenal but at some point what when does it hit the wall because it feels like almost it has to like it, it feels like they've just been on such a good pace pitching wise now we've seen the bullpen kind of struggle a little bit but starting pitching has just been a consistent thing all year and when we get into expectations for the second half one of the things that i want to caution everybody with with this is pitching is always going to be what separates you from a good team and a great team, or a good team and even a bad team. The Pirates have good pitching. They do. But every great team has an offense to back up their pitching. And when there's been games where it feels like the starter can't make one minute mistake or else the Pirates lose, as we saw with Mitch Keller throwing an eight-inning one-hitter and getting a no-decision – it, it, it just feels that way sometimes, and it's unfortunate. But also, I want to also say to everybody, too, although the Pirates are where they are at 41 and 49, just look at the amount of injuries they've had to deal with this year and where they're currently at. Brian Reynolds has been on the IL. Key Brian Hayes. O'Neill Cruz has been out since the third week of the season. It should be back in about a month, month and a half. Brubaker, Burroughs, Velasquez, all out. Even – The bullpen has been gutted by injuries. Harlene Garcia was one of our bigger free agent signings that we wanted to see out of the bullpen. Haven't seen him yet, and I don't know if we will. We probably will, but I don't know if we will. Then you also still have to look at who's not here yet. Andy Rodriguez is not here yet. A lot of people want to see Quinn Priester. I'm still a component of saying I'd rather see Jared Jones or Cam Aldred first. Garrett Jones is another guy that I think we could get used to eventually. There's still guys that come up here. By August, once we start getting that O'Neill Cruz news, I think, I think that's like August 1st through like the third or fourth, is when we'll start hearing a little bit about him. Oh, he's in the batting cage. He's doing this. Like you're going to start hearing things about what he's doing. Health is going to be the biggest expectation for me. Because I think you have to like you virtually have lost a season of O'Neill Cruz. Which is unfortunate. It sucks. But the fact that you are still a competitive team, because if you do look at the games the Pirates have lost over the past, like, two weeks, they haven't really been getting, like, blown out by any means. It's just been, like, unfortunate bounces or the bullpen blowing the game out of proportion. That's usually just what happens in baseball. But, Craig, one last final thing. What are your realistic expectations for the second half of the year?
1: I mean, I just, for me, I, I mean, I hate to say this. I I mean, the expectation would be to to win more than than you lose over this this part of the season. But a realistic expectation for me is just to see, you know, some of the players that we've brought up so far. Like Henry Davis has gone into a little bit of a slump. I'd like to see him push back uh, against, you know, major league pitching. Uh, an expectation would be, to see more of an influx of youth, like you said, like a a Quinn Priester and or, you know, a Jared Jones, Colin Selby, uh, who was injured for a little bit, finally getting back in there and and just seeing, you know, my expectation would be to make some decisions on positions, uh, you know, moving forward. That would be an expectation is to not – go into next year with a question of, you know, are Andy and Henry catchers? Do you know what I mean? Like I, I don't want I think that you have to answer some of those questions um in this in this you know second half here. And that's why like I know Andy has struggled um at times. He's he's hitting a, a little bit better over the past few weeks. Um but I also just want to see like how he can handle You know, major league pitching staff, that's where an expectation would be to to actually make some decisions on, you know, some of these players so that we're not at you know this point next year and don't have answers on, you know, some of these players. I mean, Quinn Priester obviously is going to get added to the 40 man at some point in time, and, and it has to be, you know, by November. But just making decisions on like, you know, what role Jared Triolo is going to play. So my expectation is to actually, you know, quit dragging your feet on some things and and get some players up here so that, you know, you know what you have.
0: Yeah. And of course, here on the Locked on Pirates podcast, we'll be covering everything about the second half of the Pirates season. Obviously, tomorrow we'll be previewing the weekend series against the San Francisco Giants coming out of the break. If it serves me correctly, they should be wearing their City Connect jerseys, which they are undefeated in right now. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, Craig and myself will be writing stuff over at Inside the Bucks Basement all through the second half. Craig, you have a minor league
1: news and brews today as well. Um, That's going to be coming out tomorrow and it's going to be uh, a talk about the, the, I'm calling it the Pirates prospect promotion parade because it's not only happened at the major league level, but there's actually been, you know, some pretty aggressive promotions from Bradenton the whole way up to Indianapolis. So,
0: oh yeah, it's going to be a really fun time here. We still got, I mean, the rest of July, all of August, all of September to watch Pirates baseball. We'll see how it unfolds. But, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan or at Locked On Pirates. Make sure you follow Craig at Buck's Basement or check out his work at Minor League News and Brews. And, of course, inside the Buck's Basement, have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. Shout out to Craig's dog, and I'll see you on the flip side. <laughs>